We got this beautiful, compelling comment in regard to our recent episodes. And I think that we should start today's episode by just reading that comment because there's really no better way to so we're going to share it here um on the screen and um this is from cassie she says oh man i i'm just binge listening to these episodes now they're really good and these things need to be talked about in march of this year I attended a group shamanic event during which I saw past events as they really were, not through my own lens. Can you scroll down a little, Amalia? Okay, not through my own lens, realized that I had been drugged and raped by two men I considered friends. When I was 18, when I was 18, sparking several more rapes and promiscuity because I became like a beacon to predators and users. Up until this spring, I had always blamed myself and kept this hidden, even though I was actually unconscious for the majority of the violation. I went to a doctor after it happened because I felt something was off and he inspected me, agreed I was severely bruised and told me I shouldn't drink so much next time confirming to that young, confused girl that it was her own fault. The beer was bitter. I had seven hours of missing time. There is no question in my mind now that I was definitely drugged. Thanks for putting this out there to give others a roadmap for healing. I am not embarrassed to write this here. It was not my fault. I can only imagine how many people share the same story and blame themselves and thereby act out in inappropriate ways, such as being a victim or being promiscuous, because they have these false beliefs that were put there by these violations. Ugh. So thank you, Cassie. Yeah, it's so, It breaks my heart because I think there's so many of us who've had multiple sexual violations. I know for myself, there was a period of time where I thought, what does it say on my forehead? Like, how am I attracting all these perpetrators and all these experiences? To me, it was, I shared in a previous um, podcast, like the year my dad died, it just seemed like literally few days after he died. I think it was within a week, two weeks. I I was attacked twice. Um, And I was 33. No, I was 30. And it was just like, really? How is this happening to me? Uh, I'm curious, Issa, to hear your perspective from from healing from such intense um, childhood sexual abuse. Um, 
what is your perspective on this or what could you share with Cassie and the rest of us who <laughs> felt like this time and again? Mm. Yeah, Amalia, it's so true. It's, it's unfortunate that so many people um, on this planet end up being violated in some way, you know, women and men. And I just want to thank you, Cassie. Thank you for your courage uh, to speak out. And this is what I hope to inspire in many more people to feel safe enough to realize that it's not your fault. And it's really common when um, abuse has happened at any time that it gets imprinted in our energy body and in a way in our psyche. And most of the time that there's some form of severe abuse and, and also sexual abuse, the perpetrators do, in fact, imprint uh, words, of course, of shame, um, sometimes programming. Um, but it is common uh, that we get really imprinted with the experience that it is our fault. And it, and it is, of course, never our fault. And this imprint that happens in people who are abused it really becomes like an energy signature, like a crystallized energy form that lives then in the light body or the aura. And it is there and it is able to be seen, unfortunately, by predators and perpetrators until it is removed. And so that really is what happens, unfortunately, for for those of us who have been severely abused and sexually abused is that we carry that. And often, you know, people who are abused this severely are dissociative. And what I mean by dissociative is they learn to leave their body as a coping mechanism. The spirit leaves the body. And it's a really helpful tool that the psyche creates in order for the person to be able to not go crazy, to not be overloaded, to not be too overwhelmed until they're ready to process what has occurred. And so sometimes because people dissociate, of course, from severe abuse, that makes them more vulnerable, right? Because they're out of body and they're moving about in the world and they have an energy signature of perpetration that's been done, it's been encoded in the light body, in their psyche. And it's like a, a beacon that's sort of, it's sort of emanating a frequency that predators of course track. Predators hunt people and they track by these body language mechanisms. And so it's really helpful once you realize that you've been abused to work diligently to clear that, to clear that signature out of your energy field and in time to also come back into your body. And that's really what does create much more safety and that can be complete. Yeah, we have talked about uh, imprinting in previous episodes and we've, we've touched on this and it is so real. I mean, the body is our 
is our keeper. Um, our energetic field is our keeper of all of our information that has ever occurred to us, happened to us, how we feel currently, um, unconsciously and consciously. And so I'm curious how it can somebody remove this. I, I know that we can do certain types of clearing and that people can, you know, become aware, uh, much like our listener did through some shamanic ceremonies, the memories became very clear. And I think that's helpful. And then, you know, at least, you know, it's there and then you can start to do something. But what have you seen in your experience, Issa, that, um, that can help uh, maybe some of the people listening here on how they can begin to take these steps to clear these things or to remove them if that's I mean when you said remove it I I got all excited and I was like wait 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 tell me what 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 how how you know of course that's what people are going to think when they when they hear that and I I'm not sure if we have to just continue to work with it through throughout different steps in our development um to remind ourselves because it's true the you know this is all 100% proven as well and something you know in in the field of psychology that we've known for quite some time um, that anyone who has had these experiences or who was groomed or who was you know predators read this you know even the police when they detectives when they give talks about how to keep people safe they know this too um, but you know, very few people talk about how we can actually, um, if there's a way to to heal this in our field and um, and not carry this in our in our uh, energy fields or in our bodies. Um, and um, yeah, I was going to say something else, but I, it's slipping me now. It'll come back. But yeah, so what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, the beautiful thing is that we can and that you can clear it. And to start with clearing it, what's really important is to just name it first, is to acknowledge, wow, okay, I've had these past experiences and perhaps they've kept repeating. And I'm first it's to name it and acknowledge it and in the naming of it, there's a beautiful mechanism that happens in our, in our brain. It's like our frontal cortex has an ability to see the truth and to sort of acknowledge that to what I would call the reptilian brain or the amygdala or the fight or flight mechanism in our body. And it's a way of saying, hey, we understand, we get that this has been happening. Now, just that very simple act actually begins to shift your consciousness. It begins to bring in light. It begins to bring in awareness. And it says, hey, this, I acknowledge this is happening and I am ready to shift that. So that's the first step. The second step is to really work with making sure that you're coming back into your body. And you don't even really have to know if you're fully out of your body, there's different levels of dissociation. You could simply just say to yourself, if there's any way that I'm out of my body, I'm asking and calling in the divine to help me now to fully come back in. 
I am ready to fully enter my body now. Please help me with this. And this intention will set a series of energies present and also the help of the divine and your guiding system to start working with you to get you in your body. And that's important, right? Because once we're in our body, then we're more present. We're more aware. We can notice um, signatures in reality and situations that might not be safe or that might alert us if we're here. And so that really is the second step. And really those two pieces are enough to begin shifting this crystallized energy imprint in your field, out of your field. And then the third step is you can say when, as you're ready, I'm willing to feel any emotions that I need to process with grace and ease in exact timing that I'm ready for. And why is that important? That's important because when we're repressing our emotions, you know, and we're not feeling them, we're not metabolizing them, then they're putting off a vibration and a signature. They're feeding the signature. But if we actually are feeling them, then we're metabolizing them and we're healing them. And so that really is the next step. And I would say that a person could ask to do that in their perfect timing so that they're not overloaded. And of course, the fourth step would be to seek support, you know, from a trained professional. Um, I would say that in some cases it's necessary and in some cases it isn't. I would say an energy healer or someone who could help shift with that energy signature. Thank you, Isa, for sharing that. That's so important. I'm, I'm curious to know um, your thoughts about, you know, when someone has had a lot of sex, sexual trauma, um, part of the imprinting is also attached to um, the orgasm and to the attraction, right? And, and how we're attracting or how we're choosing a partner and what we're magnetizing. And I know for, for me, I kept magnetizing um, narcissists, um, sex addicts, uh, different weird um, fetishes or kinks and perversions in others. And I started to see the pattern and it was really disturbing me. Like, how come I, I, I started to think, I guess I had a belief earlier that all men were like this or all, people have this sickness, um, this sexual sickness, and, and then also feeling like maybe I have it also, and I was just trying to clear it from me, but then I would attract these men that would somehow try and pull it out of me um, in these sort of devious ways, or, um, you know, in my 20s, I got into like BDSM or sex, sex rituals and things like that, and it somehow it felt um, like there was an attraction, but there was also a disgust and an anger associated to it. And I've just gone through like decades of clearing various layers of this. I'm curious um, 
in your experience, like, how do you find the poles of attraction or, or the connection to your pleasure body also, because that, that also got um, infiltrated through, through the abuse. So how do you begin to unwind it from there? Or just any thoughts you have on that? <laughs> yeah, it is a, I have a lot of thoughts on all of it. It is a really big question and um, a lot of material is, is in there. Um, when people are severely sexually traumatized um, or even um, for a short period of time, especially as children, but also as adults, a couple things happen. Um, usually in these situations, trauma bonding occurs. And so how I'm using that word is simply that in a very intense moment where a person experiences abuse and high intensity, let's say sensations that are overwhelming, emotions that are overwhelming, and that this is done over, this happens repetitively in some form, whether it's with the same abuser or different abusers, it could be sexual, it could just be physical, it could be simply emotional. That what happens for the victim is they naturally bond. There's a natural inclination of bonding with the perpetrator. This is done really instinctually because there's no other option. There's no escape that's been a possible. There's no defense that's been a po possible. And so it's very natural to have a bond that occurs in a level of intensity, right? And sometimes for some victims, the perpetrator shared love, shared, we won't call it love, we'll call it the appearance of kind words, confusion, cognitive dissonance, saying one thing, doing something the opposite. So that's not love, but that's the appearance of acting one way or, or, or presenting one way, but really harming a person while they're doing that. This creates a really strong bond between perpetrator and victim, whether it's child or adult. And so when that happens, as the person progresses in life, they are now imprinted with this bond is what they've become used to it's become normalized. And so it's very unconscious. This is not happening on a conscious level. The mind is going, I don't want any of that ever again. Please keep me away from that. But in the unconscious, this is running. This is running as what's called implicit memory. That means that it's so buried, it's so unconscious in all of our systems, we all have implicit memory, that it actually controls our behavior without our awareness. So it's really important just to first know that that's how it works and that it's not a person's fault. That um, if you are, have been abused and you notice you keep attracting some pretty harmful relationships, first of all, know that this is not your fault. You haven't done anything wrong. This is a process and it takes time. It takes time to evolve and recognize and learn 
And so that's a really natural process. Now there's another really big piece that happens for people who are severely abused. Sometimes people who are very severely abused, especially repetitively and chronically, they have what is called fracturing, a type of psychic fracturing, okay? So in our modern culture, that used to be called at its, at its extreme multiple personality, right? And I believe they've changed that to dissociative identity disorder or something like that now, DID. But there are levels on a continuum. So let's say that multiple personality might be here. And then a, a psyche that's almost integrated might be on this side of the continuum. Well, when people have severe chronic abuse, they end up being somewhere on this continuum of a level of fracturing, okay? And the reason I'm bringing that up is because just what you said, Amalia, there can be a split inside the victim where there's parts that are angry, there's parts that are repelled by sex, there's parts that want to become a prostitute or just act out or become promiscuous. And this can be really confusing because this is how the psyche splits in order to protect the core self. So these external parts split in order to protect the actual true self. And so that can cause a lot of confusion about, well, who is attracted to what right now? Mm -hmm. and so that really takes awareness and support, I would say professional support to work through. Yeah, I see a lot of, um, thank you for that. Yeah, super, super helpful. I see a lot of people who've um, been a victim of like incest or uh, protecting their perpetrator because it's like a father or mother figure. I've seen this countless times where they're, um, they're disgusted by it and they're anchored by it at one level and then they're sort of um, completely addicted to it or, or somehow like protective of it um, and then have all these sort of fantasies or have to act it out. I saw that a lot in the kind of BDSM community where, you know, this whole daddy fetish or mother fetish or, um, and, and I'm just wondering like, is this something that's normal? Cause it seems like I see it so much and yet nobody ever really talks about it. Uh, or at least I haven't heard people speaking out about it. And I think it's just been so sort of shamed and, um, it's, it's so toxic. And I think, I think it's one of the most disturbing things to me, which is one of the main reasons why I never wanted to have children because I, I just have seen it almost in every country, every place I've been, I, I see this again and again and again, and it disturbs me so deeply. Um, and I'm just wanting to see like a healthy version of that. But um, unfortunately, with the work I do and my background, I haven't seen a lot of healthy versions of that. I'm, I'm curious, uh, Issa, what you can share around that for those of us who are still grappling or like scared of family systems because of that. Um, yeah. And it does kind of seem like it's being, it's normalized now. It, and it, it does seem like, um, yeah, it's, it's infiltrated our entire um, 
you know, it's hijacked our whole sexual, it's, it's, it's everyone, it almost seems like. So, um, yeah, it makes me angry yeah. that it's become like part of the entertainment industry or like the, the porn industry heavily, um, pushes this agenda also. And it, it's like the sickness of the, to me, it's like the sickness of the world. I look around and see it's like the sickness of every family or the, it, it's just gotten in everywhere. It's like, how do we pull that root out um, and find healthy relation? And is that just some like uh, ideal in my mind? Because I, like a utopian idea, like, I don't know. I'm just curious how you've navigated this. Yeah, um, you know, it's so unfortunate in this world how sexuality has become a repository um, for a place that just all the shadow has gotten stuffed into and compartmentalized and all the things you both are naming is how um, something so pure and so beautiful, pure desire, you know, pure attraction has gotten um, just really twisted in a way and, and changed into something that it's not. Um, so there's no blame or anything with people, um, you know, acting out their uh, fetishes, their desires. I would say that um, there's a place, of course, as long as this is moving from a congruent space, a healthy centered space. But often, as you both are talking about, this is um, misunderstood and it's being channeled. I don't mean that in a positive way. I mean that as a way that people are really acting the past out or inadvertently trying to figure something out or get healing. Um, so I think it's really important when um, we've had any form of trauma, but even not, um, most people in our culture have some level of conditioned collective unhealthiness around sexuality from our collective, right? We've come out of a really religious, uh, this country, uh, there's been a lot of past uh, religiosity and puritanical conditioning um, and separation of between the heart and sexuality, between God and sexuality. And so how I've worked with that in my own life, um, which I had to do extremely because um, for those listening, I was ritually sexually abused in a cult as a child for many, many years um, and, and then thus attacked in rapes until I was about 20 years old. And I was not able, by the time I was 20, to even be touched in a massage therapy session by even a woman. Um, I would actually start vomiting on the table if someone tried to touch my body. Um, so how I dealt with that and what I would recommend is I, I basically decided that my sexuality was my beautiful birthright and that I wanted to reclaim my sexuality because it was mine. And I wanted to reclaim my pleasure because my pleasure was mine. It didn't belong to a man, it didn't belong to a woman, 
It didn't belong to anyone else. And so I made it my life's mission at age 20 to heal my sexuality. And that took a lot. And that took me doing conscious sexual repatterning um, exercises, um, working with therapists, healers. And I would say within 10 years of that, I was able to reclaim my sexuality fully and have beautiful, um, pleasurable, um, love-connected desire and sexuality. And it really does take commitment and it really takes um, personal work to be. Mm, I, I agree that uh, for you said so many um, wonderful things and I feel like I need to touch on each one of these. Uh, but I, I wanted to say that um, I, and I think we've, we've discussed this as well. We've touched on it um, in our other episodes but that the, it does feel like the disconnect, because I think we've, we've discussed uh, BDSM in, in some of our other episodes, and, and I think I had said then that it seems like um, it's almost a, um, a, a cry or a, 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 a way to try to heal this, this separation once religion came in and once uh once the it became a patriarchy and the goddess was taken down and and then you know it kind of made it real what was happening um and and i think it's almost like uh even in theater you know or um on television but you know theater often tries to create plays and act out things that that are are happening in a village right so um it almost seems like this is in a way um and i know we're talking about kind of two different things that that tend to overlap here um ritualistic sexual abuse and bdsm um but this sort of cry from from our collective wanting to move through this wanting to act this out wanting to get to some other place and maybe that's me trying to see the the um i guess the light in within the dark of it um if if you can put it that way but uh yeah there's so many thoughts going on right now. And my, can I <laughs> piggyback on what you're saying, Satya? Yeah. Because um, I've I've had an inner conflict um, going on around those things that you're sharing, Satya. Like the the two different realms. Like, and I found initially um, in my twenties, BDSM was a way for me to explore the parts of me that. Um, we're sort of crying for, I, I don't know, to reach a certain depth or an extreme. And I found, I found that I needed to be in sort of extreme situations to find pleasure, but it was actually more pain. Um, but I found pleasure in pain. And then I think I sort of have um, an imprint of like pain addiction. And then it's no wonder that like, 
I, I have a diagnosis of fibromyalgia, which I think is kind of funny because it's funny and comical in a cosmic comic sense, because all it means to me when I hear that is like someone who's got like overreactive pain sensors or someone who's endured a lot of trauma. And then when I see um, kind of mainstream uh, entertainment, music, uh, fashion, and pretty much every everything you look at now, like BDSM, th- versions of it have become part of like mainstream fashion, right? Like th- I see small girls wearing collars all the time, like little chokers. And I'm thinking, why is a 12 year old girl wearing a choker? That's that's become fashion. And I keep seeing these weird uh, imprints going into collective consciousness. And I don't know, if, is this a grooming of some dark underground network, which, yeah, I think it is, but also it's sort of like, are they all being abused? Then I start feeling concerned. And then I feel like, okay, um, you know, in, in my personal life, I stopped exploring the the darker shadow stuff because I realized what was harder for me was just deep intimate connection and and like finding a gentle loving um, sacredness so then I I shifted and I started feeling ashamed like it was in my 30s when I had a spiritual awakening that I started feeling a lot of shame for my 20s and all of that exploration of my shadow and um, I think now I'm trying to not be in any sort of polarity or judgment about one or the other, because I see like the spiritual kind of consciousness thought or collective thought is, is now into this kind of tantric love has become popularized and it's all about, you know, connecting from the heart space. And, um, and yet I still see a perversion there moving through of like polyamory and, um, and like light kink. And I, I just can't stop looking at it as like, wow, look at our um, collective creation energy. You know, this is our most potent energy that we carry. It's like this, the source of creation itself and how, um, how it's full of darkness and light. And it seems sort of twisted and askew. And I, I feel like we're at this point and, the reason why we're doing this podcast and created it in the first place was to like come back to the sacredness and claim it and sort of unwind the two. So we're not creating compartments inside ourselves of um, toxic shame or um, places where we're not allowed to go um, out of fear, but, but we, we're not hiding and reveling in the darkness and, um, not able to access sort of the the healthy healing light of love so i don't know we i satya and i talk about this so much so please jump in (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i feel like i um and i think oh my gosh the last time we had this conversation i i think i even said like why is this happening like what's what's right what's wrong what's you know, what I want to have a little, I want to have it all wrapped up in nice, neat little boxes, you know, and I want to, I want to do the right thing. And I want, you know, and, and I, I know a lot of it is, is just intentions. Um, if, if you, if you pull back and you, and you go deep and you, okay, what is, what is my actual intention? Um, 
and if, if it's a pure one, maybe that's the route to take. Um, but I do feel like, cause I, I just, I guess I have this sort of maybe innocent, maybe naive belief in, um, in the goodness of human beings. And, and it may, makes me feel like, um, where, where, what happened, you know, and, and do we need freedom? Do we, do we need more freedom, you know, but then that can be so harmful. And then it's like, because I do feel like it came from this, um, the, the disconnection when, when, and I don't mean to bash religion or anything like that, because I'm a very godly person, I would say, you know, um, and I was raised in a lot of religion and I have my own relationship with God and so forth, um, and spirit and, um, creator. And, um, but I, I, I feel like because our sexuality was taken or hijacked somewhere along the way, males and females were taken somehow and put into these roles and and i think that we're all just so confused and messed up and twisted up and and it it's like it it is like we were we were split in half and and we're we're screaming and and desperate and um and trying to to get this back and i know that's only one sort of very maybe physical reality piece i know there's a lot of other things going on but um <laughs> And I know we have to wrap up this session, but Issa, uh, please. <laughs> <laughs> Don't leave me hanging on this one. <laughs> I won't leave you, Satya. <laughs> the good news, here's the good news. <laughs> um, if we keep it or if we keep it on a simple level and ask each of ourselves, the question regarding sexuality when we're in a moment of sexuality we could ask are we harming ourselves this is a good question whatever you however you're engaging sexually you can ask yourself am i har am i harming myself and really look at that am i using myself am i draining my energy Am I draining someone else's energy? Am I taking something? Or am I sharing? Am I sharing pleasure? Am I sharing lust, which is a beautiful, can be a beautiful thing? Am I sharing desire? Um, is my heart connected? Do I feel I'm all here? Do I feel present? Or am I in a trance? Am I in some weird part? not with judgment, weird, just different part. And I'm acting that out right now. Wow. Is that what's happening? <laughs> you know, these are some beautiful inquiries. And the beauty is that if each person asks that question and then asks, am I harming another person? Let me look at my sexuality. Am I objectifying another human? Am I harming them in any way or is this mutual is this pleasure is this love is this beautiful you know we can start to really simplify it by just asking these questions 
And it's amazing um, if we just stay real small with that, how that can change all of our interactions and bring presence and awareness in to, to what we're doing. And that's then, of course, right, how we affect the greater field. If each person does that, then whatever is happening on planet Earth, however it's flowing through, it will heal. And it will come into balance in a beautiful way. And I, I actually feel like that's what's happening now with everything coming out and all the, the light and the truth that's being shown, shown on everything. That is such a beautiful place to end this episode. And I don't mean to throw a wrench in that, but <laughs> I'm going to. <laughs> so what, what if, what if um, in the, uh, first of all, that was profound. And I, I saw Amalia's arm going like this. So I'm hoping she's <laughs> taking notes because I don't have like my pad of paper right here because I need to revisit that and share that with everyone. Um, but um, so, so if you do that and then you feel like, okay, I might be harming myself or I might be harming someone else, my first go-to would be punish, punish myself, be very upset at myself, and then probably continue the behavior maybe. How do we untangle that or do we need to just do that in another episode? Or is that something you can quickly speak to? I would love to speak to that. Shall we, shall we do that in ep the next episode? Yeah. Ooh, or would you like... <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, you're gonna, ha you guys, you're gonna have to stay tuned to our next episode. <laughs> yes, yes. Hang on, everyone. Um, we are going to keep Isa with us and do another episode because there's just too much wisdom she has to share with us that we can't get enough of her. Um, thank you, Isa, once again for joining us here today. Thank you, Satya. And oh my gosh, thank you everyone who's listening. Those questions, I did take notes and um, I'm going to ask Isa to um, fill in my notes and I'm going to listen again and again, <laughs> make a big document and post it on my wall. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I was thinking the same thing, Sadia, like, yeah, hand it out to everyone I know. Ask yourself these questions. I think we're all navigating such um, immense levels of this. And I really feel that we are finally, um, I am finally coming to a place of like deep us and profound and healing ever even just us. You can find us started. So thank you. Thank you guys for listening and stay tuned to the next episode. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Love, sex, and the hidden agenda. Nia, Nia, Nia,